Hello, this is Dr. Shiva. Welcome to our podcast, Get Educated or Be Enslaved. Episode 255, air date April 11th, 2018. Okay, well, let's move on. The Looking at your platforms, you seem to be, you, one of your platforms is campaign finance reform in the form of uh, term limits. Uh, I'm gonna, we're probably going to disagree uh, here. Uh, I've, I, I've, believe in publicly funded campaigns. I lived in California for 20 years and saw, we used to call it uh, politics by U-Haul as, you know, someone would get uh, termed out of their Senate career, they would run for the assembly or assembly into the Senate or find a city or town council to run for. They would just be U-Hauling all over the state to find a district or jurisdiction. Wow. Now, could you explain to me why, why, why you've settled on term limits? Well, look, uh, the, the fundamentals of this is that participating in government was meant to be a service. The founders never put term limits in because they were never thought anyone would want to be a career politician, right? These people actually had jobs. Uh, Washington was so happy to go back to his farm and be a surveyor and a farmer. Uh, Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. These people did it in a a very deep way out of a a nobility for service. So the the notion of being a career politician was never in their minds. They probably thought it was mindless why someone would want to do that for the rest of their lives. So we have to put that in context. What we've now created is a crony model of people who participate in politics because many of them cannot do math. They don't have any skills. Uh, they can't probably understand a balance sheet. They probably can't fix things. They've never created anything. It's They've interesting. Never- I, I heard an anecdote recently where a fellow was with a number of folks that fund political campaigns. It was some meeting of some pack, And he, in an offhanded kind of way, said, you know, you pay all this money to these politicians. Would you pay them to run your companies? And they all started laughing. And he said, if I would ask that 30 years ago, it would have been a very different response. So it kind of goes with what you're saying. Right? Yeah, so, so I'm saying, let's go to the fundamentals of what kind of society we want to create. We want to create a society by the people, for the people. That means by the people, for the people means the local electrician, the local plumber actually does a lot of work, the, the inventor, the scientist, uh, people who do work for a living, uh, they actually have a lot of uh, tacit knowledge that they don't need political consultants. They don't need to do reams and reams and reams of political research on because they know this stuff like the back of their hand. Um, They participate and they go back to work. That's the foundation of this. The racket that's been created to um, have basically a lot of idiots who are participating in politics, and they are idiots. Um, I think people should talk about, you know, what skills they really have because I bet you they have very little. So that is what we've created, and we need to eliminate that. So my goal is to handcuff these guys so you basically make it untenable for them to participate in politics, term limits. You know what? You participate in any government at any level for two terms, that's it. So you can't build your little mafioso clan, start at the local level, your state level, and rise up. We need to end that piece. Next thing is, I, I actually would probably support public funding of campaigns, or serious limits in the sense that I call it sort of one dollar one vote model, meaning if Mm. the total number of registered votes in in a federal election, let's say in Massachusetts, 4.3 million registered voters, you should be able to spend only 4.3 million dollars from all sources, everything. 
Because the reality is what we do now is through the vehicle of advertising, you can make people make irrational decisions, right? Absolutely. I mean, people, they emote, and we right. think we don't, but we do. Yeah, advertisers have figured out, I mean, they spend billions and billions of dollars to figure out how to manipulate human psychology, right? So to make irrational decisions, a lot of the stuff people buy, a lot of the decisions they make, they don't even need, but through the power of advertising, which is a very powerful biological way or psychobiological way of manipulating people, that's how this runs. And this no tr it's not that different in elections. These guys wait until September. During September to November in those six weeks, they take tens of millions of dollars worth of TV advertising to manipulate, manipulate people. And so if you constrain that, now people have to focus on, do you really have a message? Do you really have a product? Which means, do you, can you, do you really have something that's tangible? If you need that much money, it's likely you don't have a message, right? So you have cool. to look at all these external issues. So we need to cut that down. The other piece is, you know, what's wrong with having voter IDs? You know, this is not a left or right issue. Um, so those are the three things I, I think we need to do. We need to, number one, you know, impose term limits. We need to seriously constrain how much people can spend on any of this. Like there's an actual number cap, period. And well, if it's, it's interesting. Arizona had publicly funded campaigns. And a number of years ago, I spoke with Mary Lou Stanley, who was really the force that got it passed. And I said, well, I was interviewing. She says, well, we were a little deceptive. I go, well, what do you mean? She goes, well, we called it clean money, but it was really publicly funded campaigns. Like, well, I think they'll forgive you that, Mary Lou. But what was great about it, at its height, before it was gutted by the Supreme Court, 80% of Arizona's elected were clean money. And that's of their assembly and their house and their Senate. And then almost all but two of the statewide offices were clean money candidates. And as one fellow said to me, he said, the great thing uh, was, you know, the insurance lobbyists came in, they said their piece and left. And I wasn't beholding to them. They weren't paying for my campaign. Mm -hmm. It just shows you the impact of money. And Well, I, I also think media companies should be treated like PACs in the current model also. True. We never thought of that, but boy, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I mean, they get to endorse a candidate and think about how many uh, politicians through a couple of degrees of freedom have complete control of certain media companies, right? Or, or in collusion with them. Mm -hmm. So the entire thing is completely undemocratic. So that's why, you know, that's why I call the clean government piece of our campaign. And uh, I think my intention is by winning in Massachusetts, because Massachusetts is fundamentally a state of independence, 2.3 million independents, nearly 60% of the voters here are independents, that you basically inspire people to say, I'm gonna participate and I'm gonna go back to work. And part of this is I'm relatively insignificant in this puzzle, but hopefully it'll inspire a different kind of movement. And I think Massachusetts may be a great place why, to do it. Why, why so many percentage-wise independents in Massachusetts, do you think? And oh, is that what drove you to run as an independent versus a Republican? Well, so here, here's the deal, right? I have never voted until the past election. I don't know if you know that. I've been Interesting. A citizen. No, I didn't know that. Because when I, in 1984, uh, I was always a student of politics, having grown up, uh, always a political activist since a kid, because I didn't, I grew up in an India of a caste system, was moved to understand why there was this caste system, why there was injustice in the world. 
And when I came to MIT in 81, in 84, if you remember, Jesse Jackson ran um, against Walter Mondale and, and Reagan. And he ran on this thing called the Rainbow Campaign, if you remember. Mm -hmm. And what's interesting about that was a number of us who were, you know, into sort of anti-establishment politics, we were moved by it. But at the last minute, if you remember, he gives all of his votes to Mondale. So that's when I had an awakening that there were really three dynamics in politics, the establishment, and then the real change agents, which were everyday people on the street, political movements. And then there was a third, more insidious part, the not so obvious establishment. And mm. so in the past election, Hillary Clinton was clearly the establishment. In fact, she was so clear, all the Bushes and the Romneys and the Clintons um, all came to her aid, if you think about it.